Okay, well, if you've been following along with us, we are doing a series on the Sermon on the Mount. So we are in Matthew chapter 5, so if you want to open up your Bibles, we're in Matthew chapter 5 right now. And we left off in verse 12 last week, and so we're going to pick up in verse 13. And the goal of this series is, one, it's interesting to study Jesus' major sermon or his big message uh, that's in the Word of God. Number two, many times we, like, we skip verses that we don't quite understand or don't want to deal with, or maybe they're a little too hard or maybe they go against current culture, or maybe there's something happening that we're just like, eh, you know, we don't really want to talk about that, especially not on a Sunday morning. Well, we're going to go through the whole sermon. We won't skip anything, and we'll do it line by line for as long as it takes, and I believe that's what the Lord wants us to go do. Uh, but this week, we are going to talk about salt and light. This is a passage of scripture here in Matthew 5. This is immediately following the Beatitudes, and it's interesting to me that until we get our heart right, until we get our heart right, which is what the Beatitudes of the heart were all about, we have to get that right before we can become salt and light to this world. Isn't that interesting how Jesus times it or how he kind of works that through in his message on how he says, first of all, I care about your heart. First of all, it's a matter of a heart. How many of you know, especially when dealing with your kids or even others, they know if you're not being sincere? Come on, guys. Do you guys know that, right? You know when a kids can see right through that. Man, you go to, like, if you go serve kids, especially at, like, a youth camp or something like that, and you're like, oh, yeah, hey, how's it going? And you're not really feeling it. They're like, mm-hmm. Who brought this guy? You know what I mean? Like, who invited this guy? He is not being real or authentic. For whatever reason, especially teenagers, boy, you, got, you guys can read right through the you know what <laughs> I won't say it okay but you understand what I'm saying right it's like they can just sense it and see it. now what the Lord is saying to us here in this being salt and light is this has to start with our heart this has to start with us truly having compassion for people truly having a heart that is changed and moved by God because you can go out and you can say all the words about the gospel but if you're not living it and you're not seeing it and you're not truly moved by it People are just like, yeah, they're just talking. They're just saying words. Now, God's word never returns void. But sometimes our word returns void when it's not said out of true compassion and out of our heart. So I find it interesting that the Lord starts with the Beatitudes and then he goes into the salt and life. And do you also understand this, and I want to preface with this as this introduction, is we cannot influence this world when we are just like this world. We cannot influence this world when we are just like this world. You ever wanted to heat something up and it was at a certain temperature and you add some more of that in at the exact same temperature? Guess what happens? Nothing. It doesn't get any hotter. It doesn't get any colder because it's exactly the same. The temperature is the same and so you can't change something when adding more of the same to it. And so what the, Jesus is compelling us to is to be salt and light to this world but that means we have to be not normal we cannot look and act and talk and be and respond and be everything exactly as the world when they start going through all the listings of all the shows that they're watching and if you just say oh yeah I've seen that one oh yeah I've seen that one oh yeah I've done that one oh yeah and when they are of certain nature, 
I don't think I have to explain that here. They are of a certain nature, of a certain style of show. Is You're not being any different than them. We are being exactly the same, and you can't influence and change. Other when there's something that comes, say, no, I don't watch that show. Oh, you know, you don't think, find that entertaining, and maybe it opens up a conversation. Maybe something else can change. But you cannot influence the world when you're just like them. So here we go. Let's read starting in verse 13. Matthew 5, 13. You are the salt of the earth. This is Jesus speaking to the multitudes that were there for this Sermon on the Mount. He says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? Is it then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men? Verse 14, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Verse 16, let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Let's go back to verse 13. So Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. What does salt do? I was like, okay. I feel like the Lord asked me that question. I can figure out what salt does. So I began to see, okay, what does this mean for us? What does salt do? And as I, as I was looking at it, as I was reading and studying it, is the world, you just have to turn on the news for a second or look around or go on social media, the world is in a moral decay. World is in a moral decay. You can see it all around you. You can see it in the United States. You can see it in Europe. You can see it everywhere. But what salt does is salt cleanses, salt preserves, and salt adds flavor. So let's start looking at the first thing salt does. Salt cleanses. And what Jesus is talking about, I love how Jesus used analogies, and Paul does the same thing in a lot of the letters uh, that he's written. But he's using this analogy of salt because everyone knew there what salt does. So salt cleanses. And for us to see this cleansing is it's saying what God is saying is to go live a pure life. And you say, well, Pastor Jason, how am I going to do that? With his help. With Jesus' help. We are not perfect. We cannot live perfect lives. But what Jesus does and how he sent the Holy Spirit to help us is he constantly, he gives a little bit of a conviction here and there and says, hey, what about this? What about that? What about this? And God is constantly looking for the purification of our lives. He's looking at us, he's challenging us to say no to things that other people are doing. He wants us to look different than the world. Why? Just so we can be different? So that we can be criticized, so we can be persecuted? No, so that we can be different, so that we can show and be salt and light to this world. Wherever you might be, whether it's in ballet, whether it's in sports, whether it's in school, whether it's at your job or your work, to be able to say no to things that other people are doing. It's hard to do. It's tough to do. But this is what salt does. It cleanses. It begins to purify. So first, what Jesus is talking about is cleansing our own life. Changing our own heart. First and foremost, again, like I said in the beginning, before you go out to change others and to see others change, we must first be changed. Salt also preserves. Salt also preserves. So not only does it cleanse, but it also preserves. 
And what we mean by preserving here, I believe he's meaning is that we stand up for what is right. Sometimes it would be not normal to be different. We have to see a situation, to see a circumstance, and to stand up for something that is not right. You know, when I, when I worked at GE, we had made a, I had made a promise and a commitment to my family that I would leave and go home at 5 p.m., no later than that, every single day. And that that was my commitment. I was going to be different than everybody else at GE. Because guess what? Nobody left at 5 o'clock at GE. I mean, they always like, we're, they're like, look, what are you, you leaving to go home? What are you talking about? And I said, I made a commitment to my family. I prioritized my family, and I'm going to leave at 5 o'clock. And Liz would always say, I'm only asking for, what, 5 to 8 p.m., 5.30 to 8.30 p.m. Three hours, that's all I'm asking for. And I would tell people at work, I'm giving my family three hours of my day. The rest is yours. <laughs> the rest was that GE or sleeping. But I said, I am going to commit to this. I'm going to live differently. I'm going to take the stand. And do you know what? God blessed that. And not only did he bless it, but what it was is it was salt and light to those who were at GE. I mean, I literally would get up out of meetings with like executive vice presidents and be like, I have to go. I have to be home. And they would just kind of look at me. And then it became a normal thing. It was almost like the clock is ticking. Nope, it's 5 o'clock. Slide the chair out. Stand up. It's time to go. And it became this commitment that I had. But the interesting thing is, 14 years since I worked at GE, I believe maybe 14 or 15 years since I worked at GE, do you know what is the one thing that people remember about me? That I left every day at 5 o'clock. And I encourage them to do the same. That was something, it's interesting, it was this simple thing that I did, that I made a commitment in front of them. They knew I was a Christian, they knew I was a family guy, that I had kids, and all this stuff, but they knew that I was going to take a stand and be different than everybody else, and to get up and walk out at 5 o'clock every single day. 15 years later, that's what people remember. Like, oh, hey, Jason, how you doing? You know? Are you still? At the, they don't remember about the church. Like, did you? Are you pastoring a church? So I'm like, I don't remember any of that, but I remember that you would leave to go home to your family, and you would encourage us to do the same. So that's what that looks like: is a standing up for what is right to say, I am deciding to do something differently, and that is when we are salt and light to this world. Then the last one that salt does is it adds flavor. Flavor. I don't know about you guys, but I love salt. If I could pick something between either being sweet or salty, I'm picking the salty. Anybody with me on the saltiness? Okay, all right. Some people love the sweet stuff. I'm like, if there's, there's something sweet there, there's something salty, I mean, I'm picking the salty thing. What, what this flavoring does is we attract people to Christ. We attract people to Christ. We add flavor when we're out there in our areas of influence and where we are. And why? Because of Jesus. Because of who he is. When we walk around with the fruit of the Spirit operating in our life of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. I think I said all nine. I may have missed one. Whatever you guys understand, when we walk in that, we bring this flavor to wherever we are. And we're attracting people, not to ourselves, but to Christ. The challenging thing is what happens when salt loses its saltiness. And that verse talked around about it being trampled underfoot, being thrown out. 
And when the, when the salt loses saltiness, the church begins to lose its reputation. I don't say that lightly. The church loses its reputation and the church loses its mission. Because guess what, church? We are. Jesus said, you are the salt. He didn't say I, Jesus didn't say I was. He said, you are. We are his hands and his feet. We are the ones that go to our workplaces. We are the ones that go to our schools. We are the ones who are doctors and we serve others. We are the ones who are out there doing it. So Jesus is calling us to be the salt and the light. Verse 14. So Jesus uses two analogies here. First one was the salt and now he gets into the light. He says, you, again, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. And when he talks about light here, he does it in three different contexts. And I believe if we look at it closely, we can see three different contexts in where we can be light to this world. The first one here is this. It's a city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. How many of you know this world is in darkness? But we are light in this community. How many of you know it? Because you participate in this church, and you are a regular tender in this church, and you give to this church, you, just by that sheer fact, you are a light to this community. You are a light to this community. We are on this, we're on this hill, are we not? You come right down that hill. I love where we're positioned, where God has positioned this church. So this church is part of the bigger church in this city. And this city, as you know, there's been multiple times where the Lord has given a prophetic word And every time the prophetic word is this, is that this place, Erie, Pennsylvania, and the churches that are here and God's people that are here will be a light and we will be a refuge to people in need. I mean, it's been dream after dream, prophetic word after prophetic word. I'm talking like people seeing a map of the United States, darkness all around, but a beacon of light showing out of Erie, Pennsylvania. That's us. We are, that is us as a church, as the big C. We, Jesus is the light, and we are his hands and feet. We are his light. So we are a light in this community by the sheer fact that we love Jesus. By doing nothing else but by loving Jesus and participating in church, we are a light to this community. As we know, light illuminates darkness. How many of you have still use the old, you know, three-way bulbs? Come on, you like everybody love the three? No, I get people got dimmers. Okay, I'm talking about Darlene. You with me? Okay, Darlene's with me on the three-way bulbs. I love the three-way bulbs because you go from fifty to hundred to one fifty. Boom! Right now it's LED, so it doesn't get hot. Still touch it. All the good things. But you're at 150 watts of illumination. And the interesting thing is, every time you click it, what happens? The light gets brighter. The light gets brighter. And I believe that the church operates in the same way. Every time we add someone to the kingdom of God, every time He adds someone to the kingdom of God, and the church grows, the big C, our light gets brighter in the area in which we are. Our light gets brighter. So every time we rejoice and celebrate someone who has come to the Lord, someone who has received Jesus, it's just think of our light going another click. Another click lighter. Another click lighter. And the beautiful part about that is the more you illuminate, the more the darkness, it can't hide at all. There's nowhere it's going. Because you know what? When my light gets brighter and brighter, 
even in my closet, the light begins to shine. Yeah, right? You ever go in your closet and it's super bright outside? It begins to get light in there. Even though the light's not on in the closet, it's beginning to illuminate, even penetrating, even into the dark places. We are a light in this community in the name of Jesus. Verse, 13, or verse 15. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. So not only are we light to this community, we are lights in our own homes. How many of you know your children will do what you do, not do what you say? They will do what you do, they won't do what you say. And I've had people, I've talked to people say, you know what, I don't understand. My child, you know, they don't read the Bible. They're not, I've taken them to Sunday school every single week. I've taken them to youth group every single week, and I don't understand. They're not walking like I want them to walk in their walk with Jesus. And I just usually just say, how is your walk with the Lord right now? And so many times our kids, they're just a mirror of us. And so how your walk with the Lord is, unfortunately, right, wrong, or indifferent, our kids are a reflection of that. It's like, they're a, it's like you're staring at a mirror sometimes. You're like, why are you freaking out over that thing? And you're like, oh, because that's what I do. Yeah, that's how I am all the time. And so there's different things. I know it's not one for one. It's not perfect. It's not 100%. But we are light in our own homes. Men, how you treat your spouse is a reflection of Jesus to your children. It's a reflection to your children you are being, we can either be light or we can be darkness in our own home. Do you understand that? How you speak to one another in your own home. How you treat each other in your own home. The words that you say in your own home. Our kids, I'll tell you what, and I, this is not about, oh, look, wow, Pastor Jason, that's so amazing what you do. What I'm saying is this, is I'm saying that we worship at home the way you see us worship here. I kid, this, is, this is not like, oh, well, they're, you know, they're putting something on for Sunday morning. We worship here like we worship at home. And I would encourage each of you to understand that you, parents, you are a light in your own home. How you speak, what you say, how you react to different things. Now, it's not like we're perfect. Nobody's perfect. You guys aren't perfect. We're not perfect. But we have to remember that not only we are a light in this community, but our first ministry Especially you parents, your first ministry, your first calling, the first place you are to show light to is in your own home. It is what you will be held accountable first and foremost. You will walk up to Jesus someday in heaven and you can recite all the things you did outside of your home, but the first thing he's going to ask you for is how did you treat your spouse? How did you treat your children? And yeah. Rock on, girl. I don't normally interrupt because I don't want to interrupt the flow of the Holy Spirit. But what I want to tell you is that um, in we lived in Hermitage. Mm. So this is 20 years ago. This man made a decision. He used to wake up. He always wakes up early. But he'd be up early and he'd be watching ESPN because that's what he did. That was his rhythm and his routine. He's a very routine person. And I remember him coming to me and saying, 
I want my kids to say of me, my dad read the Bible. But they are never going to say it if they don't see me reading the Bible. So I think I'm going to read the Bible in the morning because the kids would wake up and they would come and cuddle him because I was long in bed still because I don't wake up early. Um, But he made a decision, guys. That's what he did. He just made a decision. This is what I want them to say of me. And so he has read the Bible every morning of his life ever since. And we all in his family and in his church can say of him, he reads the Bible and he reads God's word. And this is, what I, this is why I interrupted and this is what I want to say is that he didn't open that Bible and then require us all to rise early and open our Bibles. He didn't preach at us about how we should read our Bible. And so often that's what we do. That's what I do is I I get a little bit of growth, I make a good decision, and then I look at everybody else and I tell them that they should make that same decision. You need to do what I'm doing because it's it's really a good thing. It's changed everything. He didn't do it in a manner that made us want to rebel. (laughs) He modeled it, and then he, he modeled the joy of it. And so our children do Bible time. They just do it. We don't make them do it, but they do it because they see us doing it. Um, particularly see him doing it. Uh, and so I did interrupt. It's okay. Okay, I don't like to interrupt. <laughs> but I just it's think good. it's so important <laughs> that we are light, that we are true light in our homes, that we don't put on the appearance of light. Because that was a whole movement. Yeah. There are so many parents that come to us and say, I did everything right. I did read my Bible. I gathered the family for devotions. And there's nothing wrong with that so long as it's fun, so long as everyone wants to be, so long as there's joy in it. And it's not a two-hour sermon you know, and you're, you're, you know, your kids are hating every minute of it and everyone's waiting for you to stop preaching. You get what I'm saying. There's the appearance of light, whether it's in the workplace or in the world or in your home, and then there's true light. The appearance of light, I call that religious safeguarding. It's when you make a list and you say, I'm going to tick all of these boxes so that I'm a good Christian, and then my kids will walk with Jesus. That doesn't work. It doesn't work. It's the cheap way. It's an easy way. Make a list. Do everything right so that you are owed children who walk with God. It doesn't work that way. Our kids, when he says we worship at home the way we worship here, that's true. But what we do is we do business with God at home. They see us doing business with Jesus at home. Praying, crying, worshiping with headphones on, crying while folding laundry. Mom, what's wrong? I'm just... Working it out with Jesus, sometimes mamas cry, and it's okay. That's part of our life. You know, normalizing that for them when they're mamas. You know, but we live it out for them, and it's true light. There's no religious safeguarding. I love you. I'm sorry I interrupted. Okay. So we are light in our homes. And the last one is in verse 16. So, and then let your light shine before men. So it's interesting. City on a hill part of a community of believers, then in your homes, first and foremost, then Jesus says, so then let your light shine before men. It's almost like there's this order, like being part of the community, doing it in our home, and then letting this light shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So we are light in our community, we are light in our homes, and we are light in our spheres of influence. 
So God has placed us different places. He has placed us in schools. He has placed us in jobs. He's placed us at, you know, at FedEx. He's placed us at different places. And he is, he is calling us to be the salt and the light in those places. And he says, how? How do we do this? He says, with these good works. Well, what are these good works? It can be a variety of things. There's so many things that the Lord has called us to go do. It's to bring to dinner somebody who was sick, to pray for someone who's having a challenge, to, you know, to do the proverbial walk the elderly person across the, across the street. Does anybody even do that anymore? Actually, nobody walks anywhere anymore. Everyone just drives, right? But anyway, it's like, what are these good works that we can do to let our light shine before others? We can stick up for someone. We can stop someone and help them change. How many of you, man, me included, so you see someone struggling on the side of the road? Come on, and you do those, mm, I just hope somebody stops to help them, right? <laughs> right? And sometimes, all right, maybe you can't, and that's okay. I'm not condemning everybody who drives by somebody who you need to stop and help someone on the side of the road. But hey, maybe you should pause and ask the Holy Spirit, do you want me to stop? Maybe there's a conversation. Maybe there's something that begins to happen. Maybe you get to pray for someone. Maybe you get to actually influence someone for all of eternity. Now you're all going to drive by looking for someone to stop on the side of the road. You don't have to do that. You have to be Holy Spirit-led. What I'm saying is what Jesus is calling us to is to be lights in our spheres of influence of where we are. Grace, if you want to come up here. Just close your eyes and bow your heads just for a moment. I just want to challenge us today. Challenge myself in preparing for this message, and I want to challenge each and every one of us that first and foremost, we have these beatitudes of the heart that we looked at over the past couple of weeks. And before you even get into the salt and light and being that, I'd encourage you to just read through, those, read through those Beatitudes this week. Read through them every day. It's your homework assignment. I don't typically give out homework, but we're back to school, so you're getting homework. <clears throat> read through those Beatitudes each day. Meditate on those. Ask the Lord to reveal things to you and to your heart. And when you do that, and when you see how good Jesus is, and how faithful he is, how wonderful he is, and how he wants to gently change you and help you and lead you and guide you. The overflow of that, the overflow of that is when we become salt and light to this world. We cannot do it without Jesus. We cannot do it on our own strength. You cannot... Do good works to get yourself into heaven. And I love how Jesus started with the Beatitudes, then he got into being salt and light. Not doing the good works so that you can get to heaven and have your heart changed, but your heart gets changed first by him. John 13, 35 says this, By this all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. In those beatitudes of the heart, we begin to see God's love for us and the overflow becomes our love for others and changes us to have compassion 
for those who are lost, those who are hurting, those who are sick, those who are poor. The vision of this church is to see the lost saved, the sick healed, lives transformed and families thriving. And we can only do those things with him. So, Father, we come before you this morning. Jesus, we thank you that you change everything. And, Father, Lord, as you change our heart, as you change who we are, Father God, as we seek you, Lord, that the overflow, Lord, we cannot help any longer but to be salt and light to this world. Father, I pray that each one of us this week would have an opportunity to have a conversation with someone. Either in the store or at their workplace, at school, wherever they might be this week. That they will share their testimony of your goodness and faithfulness. And that as they do that, Lord, you will go out and you will provide that light because we are your hands and feet. And that the darkness will be illuminated and that lives will be changed. Father, I just pray that we, are, we will be a church that is salt and light to this community. Father, I pray for our homes right now. Father, I pray for our marriages. Father, I pray for a strengthening of those. I pray, Lord, that we would see our spouse as our partner. And Lord, that we would change the words and the, just the words that we say to each other, Lord. That we would build each other up and not tear each other down. Lord, I pray for our children. We thank you for them and what a blessing they are. Father, we just pray a blessing of supernatural protection over them this morning. Father, I just pray as we go out this week to our workplaces and our schools, that you would encourage us and you would give us opportunities, Lord, to be the salt and the light for you. We praise your holy name. Amen? Amen. Guys, we have some prayer teams that are going to come up here. If you've never made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, today is the day of salvation. They will pray with you. They will help invite Jesus into your life, and your life will never be the same again. Maybe you need prayer for something else, healing or relationship. Or maybe God is just calling you in a different direction and you want to share that with someone. Come up here. They will pray with you. They will talk with you. And I had a benediction that I had planned, but I'm not going to do it. I'm going to do something different. How many of you guys remember the kind of the declaration we did when we did the Believer's Authority? And I really felt led. Because I don't know about you, but my son 
jammed his thumb so bad this week. He's got it all black and blue. And one of my daughters came up and said, I'm having trouble breathing while I'm, while I'm running or while I'm walking. And at some point I was like, whoa, 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 enemy. Satan, I don't think so. I don't think so. There are angels that have been assigned to my children to watch over them and to protect them. And I am loosing those angels now to be protective over my children. And I don't know about you, but I got a little fed up with the devil this week. Fed up. I'm excited we're doing a worship night on Wednesday, or a prayer night on Wednesday and a worship night on Friday, because I think the devil's got to be reminded, and we're going to remind him right now of his place. We're going to remind him right now in, this, in his place. So let's just pray with me this. Just close your eyes, lift your hands, receive this. Satan, in the name of Jesus, I bind you. For it is written, whatever we bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And because you are bound, Satan, you and all your demonic forces may not come against my family, can't come against my job, can't come against my house or my cars or my finances or anything. Get your hands off of it, Satan. You are bound away from us and our families, and we are covered and we are cleansed in the blood of Jesus. Satan, you may not steal, you may not kill, and you may not destroy our property in Jesus' name. And I remind you, devil, that we are victorious and you are defeated in the name of Jesus. We are victorious and, devil, you are defeated in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. All right, you guys have a great week. I will see you on Wednesday night and Friday night, and come on up and get prayer. Amen, amen.